Welcome to The Voice of Retail. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc. This podcast is brought to you in conjunction with Retail Council of Canada. Founded in Australia in 2009, Anto is a powerful workforce management solution that allows shift-based workforces to manage rostering, time and attendance, leave, and onboarding from one centralized platform. In this episode, I meet Peter Vigilante, Anto's Canadian country manager, and in a wide-ranging interview, talk about how this young company has come to this market to help retailers solve issues around their hourly workforce, mainly on the front lines. Peter takes us through recent market research by Anto, telling us what keeps retail HR leaders awake at night, including the speed of offer execution in today's fast-paced and highly competitive labor market. Often come across with clients is they just want to take their paper-based form or process Mm -hmm. and just digitize it. And we're like, no, don't do that. You're not going to get any benefits. You're not going to solve any problems. It's just taking something that's already a little bit slow or a little bit cumbersome and you're putting it into a a web version of that. There's no real benefit. Yeah. 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 So let's take a step back. What problem are you actually trying to solve? Um, How can we do that? Peter, welcome to the Voice of Retail podcast. How are you doing this morning? Hey, Michael. Uh, Great to be here. I'm so excited to chat to you this morning. Um, Thanks for having me on. Yeah, my pleasure. Where am I finding you in the world today? Where are you located? And I think you're in Canada, right? Where are you located? Yeah, my accent might um, deceive you, but I'm not actually in Australia. I'm in uh, not so sunny Toronto today, but yes, I've made my way across um, from Australia, Melbourne to Canada, Toronto and loving it. Well, that's uh, that's a great place to start our discussion. Tell me a little bit about yourself, your journey. What brought you uh, here to Canada from uh, from lovely Melbourne, and and let's start there. Yeah, thanks. Um, I've uh, always been uh, wanting to travel with with work and and have work for an organization that will take me somewhere overseas. And um, at Ento, it's it's finally given me the opportunity. So I've um, headed across from working um, at Ento for about two or three years to now. Um, here in Canada to be the country manager, which is pretty exciting. Um, I've always been working in the software industry um, back home in in Australia where I've worked with all different types of organizations to help implement software for them from kind of like the healthcare industry all the way through to, um, you know, asset management and today workforce management. Um, I... I'm really loving Toronto so far. Um, Everyone is so nice here. Um, I've really enjoyed, you know, um, chatting Mm -hmm. to people working at the cafes and things like that. And everyone's been super nice. Um, I've actually even managed to score some free donuts and Starbucks (laughs) while I've been here as well. So um, I don't know if that's just me and my Aussie accent convincing people to give me free stuff or um, just the lovely natured uh, Canadians. Yeah, fellow member of the Commonwealth. So, uh, listen, welcome, welcome <laughs> to Canada. Now, uh, you know, w- w- looking at your background, you've got a depth of experience in workforce management. Is is, but where did where did you start your career? Did you were you at, were you oriented towards technology and um, like what what uh, you know what pointed you in the direction when you were starting your career or as you progressed through the career? Was it just opportunity? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, look, to be honest, if, if we go all the way back to my younger days, I actually started working out in hospitality and retail, funnily enough. Um, mm-hmm. Not surprising when you're a university student, um, it's a great industry sure, to sure. work in with flexible hours. Um, and that's where I did my, um, that's while I was studying my IT degree. Um, mm. And that's always been a passion of mine. It's always been technology, always been software. Right. Um, and I yeah, had the opportunity to start 
implementing asset management software, um, and then moved across to the healthcare industry. This was a really interesting one because it um, exposed me to the um, high pressure that these workers are under to, you know, mm. get to a client's home to perform a service for them, you know, deliver them the best quality service, get back in their car, drive to the next client's home, and be on, you know, on point and deliver that high quality service. Mm. And it was. Um, working for that particular organization where they had a, a great um, system there that involved a workforce management component, component where it did all the scheduling and it did all the routing. Um, and that was kind of where my interest started in the workforce management area. Now it's led me to Ento where it's um, purely workforce management across any type of industry you can think of from retail, hospitality, transportation, education, you name it, we, we've got a solution in there to um, help these businesses. Well, let's get to, we'll get to Ento in a minute. Um, just from a, you know, you've you've expressed uh, what it's like to live as a, a civilian, so to speak, in in uh, Canada. Have you noticing, or do you have any comments on the business environment? I mean, we generally think between Canada and Australia. I mean, there's similar geographies, similar backgrounds. That the the business environments are fairly similar. What's what's been your experience so far? Just from a, you know, how you experience uh, clients, prospects, and and the business environment. I've, in, I've indeed noticed that there's some similarities between organizations here and back at home and the, and the problems they've been been facing just through conversations I've been having with them. It's really interesting um, that it's the same things and these problems haven't been solved for these clients yet. And we're talking about things like, you know, budget control, saving, you know, cost on labor. We're talking about compliance and yeah. making sure that, you know, you're paying people correctly and not breaching any of the collective agreements um, as well as engaging staff and making sure that, you know, they're sticking around and, um, you know, the onboarding and first impressions experience is um, on point. Hey, you know, it's interesting. I guess, I, I you know, I'm, I'm often asked to, com- to comment on the differences, the, the U.S. and Canada, and, and I often say there's far more similarities and differences. Um, you know, there's some different industries here, certainly. I mean, you've got retail cannabis here, which is a whole industry that does just does, simply doesn't exist in Australia, right? So there's some some different uh, takes on it, but generally that would be your experience. Yeah. More, more similarities and differences. Yeah, correct. And that's one of the main reasons why Ento decided to hit um, Canada as its first international expansion was for those similarities. We thought, Hey, we've solved all these problems in, in Australia and um, let's solve the, the next best country, which is Canada. All right. Well, let's, let's talk about Ento, a new name for, for some, certainly Uh, it was for me. Tell me all about it. Uh, Obviously Australian based, uh, but tell me scope and scale, where and how you operate and and what makes, uh, what, you know, what the expertise is and and what makes you different in the, so to speak, in the competitive set of, uh, of who you are and who you compete against and who you want to be. Yeah, sure. So, um, Ento was established in about 2009, so we're mature in, in the market, and um, it's actually an interesting story how we got started. Our, our founder and CEO at the time was um, dating someone's girlfriend, and she was complaining about how the bar <laughs> she was working at didn't have any scheduling or rostering software. So um, he was running a web design business at the time and shifted to making a web app to solve the problem for his girlfriend, and now it's gone on to solve that problem for many, many more um, organizations. Anyway, and I, I often uh, experience talking to people that this intersection of the personal and professional, there you go, there it is again. Right? <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's important to have some sort of connection to solving that mm. problem and being, you know, in, in, the, in the real life aspect of it. Um, it's not until you experience it firsthand that you can understand how to solve it properly, I found. So, so that's, where yeah, it, that's where it started. So tell me, tell me 
how it's developed and, and when when was that did you say a date um that was in long? 2009 around then when that all started um and yeah we've we've been very successful in australia and it expanded into new zealand as well um mm-hmm. we've got about i think three or four hundred clients at the moment um where we're managing millions and millions of shifts every day um, across these these different clients um, as i mentioned before vast array of industries um, retail hospitality childcare, education uh, manufacturing um, and anything kind of in between is our, is is where we can help you out Fantastic. it's really for those organizations that have um like a schedule or a roster or it's shift-based work um where we come in and, and help all those deskless workers as you know is the new hype term for them oh Oh, so when you say deskless workers, is this is your system kind of fl- being asked to flex for planning for head office versus shift workers, or is it still mostly your the sweet spot is the kind of hourly workforce, so to speak? Yeah. So when we go into organisations, um, for example, you know, a retail organisation, they've always got a, a head office, back office kind of staff. Um, component to help you know run the operations of that business whilst the main focus is normally always you know the in-store staff um, we're often seeing that they wanting to use uh, a system like ento to engage with those back office staff and it Mm. might be something like the onboarding process or you know the messaging capability just to have that consistent across all staff in the organization Mm -hmm. Um, and we've actually got some clients who are getting their back office staff to fill in timesheets and clock Mm. in and out of um their office jobs as well, which is really just to maintain who's who's where and when, right? For you know, clocking in for different reasons, right? Who's there's that, and there's mm-hmm. the ability to then report on your entire yeah, yeah, organization yeah. labor cost, for example, and you know what right. business units are costing what, and um, mm-hmm. it's it's very interesting when um, you, you mm. take a step back and you look at the whole organization and go, where else can we apply the same type of solution to help solve similar problems? You know, like like a lot of businesses, one of the things you did when you came into the market is. Try to assess, try to survey, and you literally surveyed the market. And you, one of the things that brought me to you or brought uh, you to my attention is a survey you just published. So we'll get to that in a second. This survey, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the tradecraft, what you uh, what you intended to achieve with the survey, and, and how you went about surveying the Canadian uh, marketplace. Yeah, when we decided to come to Canada, we thought, hey, let's find out more about this market. We've got, we've got you know, our own research that we've done and we've got inklings that we're pretty mm-hmm. confident mm-hmm. that the problems that are in Australia and New Zealand are similar to what's in Canada. Let's prove that. Um, so let's go out and engage um, a trusted third party to run a survey for us. Mm-hmm. So we engaged um, Maru Public Opinion and they ran a survey for us across about 450 different Canadian HR decision makers. Um, and yeah, we asked them all sorts of different questions to try and understand the problems they're facing in the current climate. And we got some really interesting mm-hmm. learnings out of that. And when, when was the, when were the questions asked? I know it, it, the survey came out fairly recently, but give me a sense of time period. When, when were these folks answering questions from you? Yeah. So the survey was run, uh, just a few months ago. So the data is quite fresh, um, Perfect. which is really interesting because things are changing so fast with um, the lifting of COVID restrictions and mm-hmm. businesses trying to get back to normal. So, you know, if you'd surveyed an organization, you know, six months ago or 12 months ago, it's completely different um, scene we're in now. So it's yeah. quite fresh survey data. Yeah, it's the recencies. It's always been fairly important to have a survey that's recent, but never more so than now, right? Everyone's trying to figure out. All right, so hit the high notes for me. What are the what are the top kind of three five things that you uh, that you took away from your survey that you want to share with us? 
Yeah, it was really interesting. We asked our the HR leaders um, about the expectations they, they're putting on their managers who are out there running running these workforces or these stores. And uh, it was really interesting because about 86% of them said that the expectations had not changed at all, um, which for me, I thought, hold on, the whole scenes change. You know, the expectations that you, you have in your managers surely should be different. Um, they're managing a totally different climate post-COVID so for you to be expecting the same is very interesting, um, especially because there's so many extra pressures that managers have now um, in in the current climate where there's changing COVID regulations or hopefully not changing anymore. Um, the labour supply is still very volatile where, you know, it's hard to find people and they're chopping and changing between jobs like no tomorrow, as well as, um, as we all know, inflation's rising and you know, recessions are looming for, for various organized, um, com- countries around the, around the globe. So that was one aspect of it that we, came, we saw out of the survey that was very interesting. One of the other areas we mm-hmm. saw interesting out of the survey was the digital adoption opinion of these leaders. And um, it's true that whilst COVID has forced a lot of digital adoption on many organizations, some of the leaders have, impl- have indicated that for them, it's areas like employee engagement, onboarding and offboarding and scheduling that are still key to their um, digital strategy and have yet to implement a solution to solve those problems. Mm. So it's still it's still a high need from the from the retailers, right? They're still looking for these solutions. So I guess you're it kind of I, I guess if anything, it validates coming to a market like this. Um, and also, you talk the work life balance is interesting. So. You know, what's, what was your assessment around what people are looking for? I mean, and, and I guess with your experience in this, has, has it changed from, um, you know, their priorities versus pre-COVID? I mean, you've got some interesting numbers here, right? Uh, 52% um, changed their, you know, 52% report they changed their policy to include better work-life balance. That's a big number, right? Fifty. It's funny, when you do these surveys, you know, I, I'll say broadly pre-COVID, you'd see single-digit movements and be, oh, that's interesting. You know, you're 86%, 52%. Like, these are big numbers, right? There's a lot going on in your space, right? Yeah, organizations have finally kind of woken up to the fact that, you know, you just can't treat stuff like you've been doing in the past. And COVID now has demanded that you be more accommodating to what um, staff or employees need and want to be able to be an effective and happy worker. To be honest, I was a little surprised with how that low that number was, <laughs> in my opinion, um, because COVID's affected, you know, most organisations and industries. So for only 52% to say they've changed their policies, how does the other, you know, 50 whatever mm. percent or 40 whatever percent think they can get away without doing it? Um, yeah. Well, it's, you know, I, it, I took a different tack when I read that. It was like, there's been a lot of work that's happened. So maybe maybe that reflects a pretty good state of the industry. In other words, we're we're over halfway there. That could be another way to look at it, right? That we're, you know, 52% saying uh, they changed, but maybe the other 35, 40% have already changed. You know what I mean? Who knows, right? Yeah, you're right. It, it's definitely a good sign that change has, has been made and people have um, mm-hmm. recognized it. It would be even more interesting to know, as you said, does that mean... Um, that's the final 40 whatever percent left um, or yeah, they've yeah. already done it. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that yeah, interesting. Well, I'm sure you'll come up with that in in your ongoing conversations. Now, 
And, you know, as you take all of this, where does Ento fit into this? So you take all these numbers, and uh, if you break them down, where, where do you add value? Why are you, and how are you different? And when you come in, and let's say, you know, you're talking to prospective, uh, prospective retailers who are looking for a solution, how do you address each of those? And, and what are the key, you know, your key value points? You say, listen, I'm, you know, love this survey. Uh, it tells us, uh, maybe it tells you a few new things, but it also tells you that there's a demand for what you sell. How do you, how do, how do those conversations go? Tell me about that. Yeah, we, we've looked at that survey data and aligned it to the features and benefits that Ento provides. And it's really around finding, um, areas that allow managers to free up time from, you know, long convoluted paper-based, um, unautomated processes that take them away from focusing on managing their staff and giving them um, the attention that they need so that they're happy and they don't leave, <laughs> for example. Right, right. Um, so we're talking about things like um, moving to automated scheduling or just making the scheduling process easier. Um, we're talking about the onboarding process as well, where interestingly enough, we're hearing from um, organizations we're talking to that if they're not quick to make an offer, get an offer on the table, have a contract in, in front of an employee to sign, they've lost that opportunity with that employee. They've gone elsewhere. Mm. Someone else has been on their toes, offered them a, another offer with more enticing conditions. So um, with our onboarding solution, you're able to quickly get that out to the um, new employee for them to sign and agree. That's interesting because I, I have heard that uh, retailers are making like offers at the moment and then you know, speed is of the essence is basically what you're reflecting back to me, right? Is that you know, we'll help you get that done quickly because if not you know you, you're going to lose somebody and i guess it, it also is the case that um you know and this is not necessarily new to covid that you know people would show up sign up and then just not show up for the job but does your help does your software help kind of get that done quickly and and kind of hopefully reduce that let's call that the ghosting impact right yeah, it definitely speeds up that process because we're, we're all using electronic contracts and digital signatures to do this now. Um, mm. So there's no excuse why you can't, you know, sign in your mobile phone while you're sitting on the train heading into the city to um, to accept your job. Um, but then we take it the next level. And mm. yeah, you've mm. signed your contract, but like if, if, you, if you don't start your role for four weeks, how are you going to engage with that employee and keep them excited yeah, and keep yeah. them um, on board with the organization? So that's where I'll... Oh. Onboarding solution will drip feed them different um, onboarding content. So it might be a YouTube video that they can watch to learn more about what their first day in the role is going to be, or it might be a um, a user guide or a manual they can download to read about, you know, how to use different mm. um, equipment or something like that. So just constantly um, touching base with them, which is a pretty heavy yeah. lift, a, a pretty heavy lift for the for the HR team without this kind of technology, right? Then that's a lot of a lot of work sounds like you kind of facilitate, you know, create content and we'll make sure it gets to the right people to keep them. Have you a better chance of that employee actually showing up to the front door? You know, yeah, not only will they, will they show up, but they'll, they'll be excited. They'll be informed as well and educated and ready to go. Fantastic. Now, who is your product right for? Is it what, give me a sense of size of retailer and I, I, and whether that's sales or number of store number of employees, Mm -hmm. what's, what's your sweet spot on, on those kind of metrics for the folks listening? Yeah, so um, retailers with more than one physical location would be um, where we'd start with. Yeah, so if if you've got one, you're probably a bit um, too small to use Ento just because of the 
the depth and breadth of the feature and functionality might be a bit overwhelming. Mm -hmm. um, by all means, we'll take you on the journey if you want to, but we found the sweet spot is where there's multiple locations. We found there's a certain level, level of maturity in those organizations and they're a mm -hmm. good fit for Ento. Uh, we then go up all the way um, to retailers with hundreds of locations with, you know, three, four, five thousand staff um, working across these locations. Mm. So we've and, got that enter enterprise capability. And what's what's the business model? Is it, um, you know, let's talk about affordability at the, you know, I'm a mid-small retailer, you know, five, ten stores versus enterprise. You have different platforms with different affordabilities. How does that work? Yeah, so all the... Um, affordability is based on a per user per month kind of concept. So okay. depending on how many different um, features you use in our software, there's a different pricing for that. Mm. Um, and it's designed so that um, you get the most out of whatever kind of package you select. Um, some of our competitors I've, I've come across really have quite limiting packages where there's barely anything in, in the cheapest version or the free version. Um, and you don't really get any benefit from from using that because all the good features are hidden so you get mm. all that with us um, there's only a few things which you can opt in and out of uh, which is which is quite different from the competitors but where we really shine is the consulting services or the implementation services where we come into your organization we'll actually re review your existing business processes um, and optimize those processes alongside um, the ento implementation and is that bundled in? Is that over and above? Is that included? Is, is that just part of being making sure that your your customers are, uh, are a success, kind of a success management process? Correct. That's the only way we do it because it's the only way we can guarantee success um, with Ento is having those bundled consulting services. So what we've often come across with clients is they just want to take their paper-based um, form or process mm -hmm. and just digitize it. And we're like, no, don't do that. You're not going to get mm -hmm. any benefits. You're not going to solve any problems. It's just taking something that's already a little bit slow or a little bit cumbersome and you're putting it into a, a web version of that. There's no faster, real benefit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, let's yeah. take a step back. What problem are you actually trying to solve? Um, how can we do that um, using Ento from scratch? And, and on, I mean, this is kind of one of those how big is the breadbasket question, but on, on average, how long from start to finish is an engagement to get people up and running? I mean, the software is pretty, pretty, it's probably cloud-based, so there's not a lot of big install, but just to get everybody oriented and learned how to use the software, what does that timeline look like? Yeah, the, the implementation is um, interesting because from a technical implement and configuration system side, we can have the system up and running, fully configured within about two days. Um, so we're finding that the system itself isn't where um, most of the time spent. A lot of it's with the organization's own internal change management, right. their own training, um, rally, rallying of the troops, getting the right people, the resources available to help with, you know, deciding right. what configuration. The soft, the soft strategy stuff, so to speak, versus the tech stuff. Yeah, the so, tech's easy. Yeah. We've we've solved that. We've made it um, simple enough that it it's it it's not what the holdup's going to be. It's where you should be focusing your time on the right things: the people, the processes, the training, not the tech. Right Let on. us solve that for you. Make that make that process um, really quick and easy and simple. Right on. All right. Well, I'll put uh, I'll put links to the survey results in the uh, in the show notes. But if I want to get in touch with uh, you or learn more about Ento, where do I go? 
Yeah, head to our website. It's probably the best place. So it's ento.com. So that's E-N-T-O for those that have no idea how to spell ento. I've never heard of it before. Um, <laughs> E-N-T-O, yeah. E-N-T-O. That's it. All right. Head yeah. to our website and um, you can read all about ento. And uh, if you want to get in contact with us, you can do so through there. And, and now are you a LinkedIn person? Like uh, you, you're going to want to build your network here, right? Are you on LinkedIn? I sure am. LinkedIn.com slash in slash P Vigilante. You can uh, come through to my profile or just search for Peter Vigilante. It's a unique surname, so I'm I'm, I'm (laughs) sure you'll um, find me pretty easily. Well, and I'll I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Listen, uh, Peter, thanks so much for joining me on The Voice of Retail. Interesting times for sure. Welcome to Canada. It's great to have uh, new insights and new new opportunities, new options, and uh, you bring a lot to the market. So, Welcome again, and I and, uh, wish you much continued success, and let's keep in touch, and um, thanks for sharing the learnings from, uh, from the survey as well. Thanks so much, Michael. Look forward to many more free donuts and Starbucks. <laughs> thanks for tuning into this special episode of The Voice of Retail. If you haven't already, be sure and click and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so new episodes will land automatically twice a week. And check out my other retail industry media properties, The Remarkable Retail Podcast, Conversations with Commerce Next podcast and the Food Professor podcast with Dr. Sylvain Charlebois. Last but not least, if you're into barbecue, check out my all-new YouTube barbecue show, Last Request Barbecue, with new episodes each and every week. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc, president of Emmy LeBlanc Company and Maven Media. And if you're looking for more content or want to chat, follow me on LinkedIn or visit my website at emmyleblanc.co. Have a safe week, everyone. 